0: Hello, and Terrace Memoirs, Uh, as announced on Friday, this is episode one of the Terrace Memoirs, Her Game 2 series, uh, which uh, involves the latest delve into the life of a football supporter, and in this case, uh, specifically, uh, the series being dedicated to women in football. Uh, If you don't know me, I am Dave Harris, a Reading fan of 30 years Season ticket holder of 20 um, ish, and you can add an extra one after I uh, renewed my season ticket 10 days ago. Signs of normality returning, hopefully. Uh, quick uh, word of congratulations to fans of Brentford, Blackpool, and Morecambe uh, for their success in the playoffs. Um, the latter two Lancastrian clubs make it up for any lost Northwestern pride after the abject European displays by both Manchester clubs um and commiserations go to swansea lincoln and newport of course the latter two dealing with ongoing playoff pain that i as a Reading fan can only empathize with and i think i'm fairly sure that goes the same as bristol city with a the lack of playoff su- uh, success is that right leah
1: yeah too right
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as announced on friday uh, today's episode marks uh, the first in a month-long series celebrating women in football, um, doing my bit to help raise awareness of the problem of sexism in the game. The series is not designed to validate women's presence in any way, which of course would be wholly patronising. Rather, it's designed to lend support to the Her Game 2 campaign and give women in football a platform to profess the support for their club, which in most cases is equal to that of men. Today is one such supporter, fan of uh, Bristol City since 2003, fellow co creator of the extremely noteworthy Venice campaign. Uh, Leah Case features in the original video, the third person, I believe. Is that right, Leah? Yeah,
1: I'm the third person. Um, yeah, hello. I've, yeah, as you said, I'm a <laughs> Bristol City fan. <laughs>
0: and there's a big welcome to you. Um, how yeah. are things? Are you?
1: Yes, I'm all good, thanks. Yeah, just busy working as usual. but um, And sort of trying to catch up with all the crazy things going on with the campaign, which is just insane. Um, yeah. It's absolutely
0: rocketed, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant to see.
1: Yeah, there's so many people that just want to help, you know, for free, which is insane. Um, so, yeah, it, exciting things to come, I think. Can't really say anything, mm-hmm. but um, exciting things.
0: And do you know what's really good to see also is uh is is um gasheads and city fans getting together and uh, not at each other's throats for once.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's the nice thing about it. You know, I think it's nice like me and Kaz and Lucy and um another city fan Eve. So there's two sort of Rose yes. fans, two City fans in the um video. It's just nice you've got um you show two different fans of different clubs rivals rivals like coming together um for something that's quite important and has affected everyone um mm-hmm. you know because football doesn't really matter when it comes to that you know um i think right. it exactly. brings people right. together in moments like that um and during you know when we have derbies and stuff it's a bit of a laugh but um ov- yeah overall i think it's just been nice to bring everyone together like nationally and even globally you know people from different countries as well getting involved so
0: Mm-hmm. yes yes um yes. i spoke to um to kaz and uh lucy in the uh the intro to um her game two month. um and there's a there's a, a bit of a project ongoing w- um relating to the euros as well isn't there
1: Yes, yeah we're um trying to get a different girl for each um of the euro countries so um we've got a little project lined up for that so um If anyone's listening from anywhere around the world, (laughs) um, get Mm. in touch. But um, yeah, we're slowly ticking the countries off, which is exciting.
0: Good stuff. That's really good to hear. Uh, Anyway, we'll we'll get on. We'll get on to um, her game too a little bit later in the show. Um, But uh, Bristol City, since two thousand and three, what are your thoughts on the season just passed um, and uh, where Bristol City are um, sort of heading under sort of Nigel Pearson and? Um are you optimistic about the future or is it uh one of a little bit of trepidation?
1: Um I'd like to think I'm optimistic. Um I feel like we haven't really given Pearson the chance yet because he sort of came in um with a Dean Holden slash Lee Johnson squad, which he never he didn't really bring these players in, you know, they're not his team. And you can tell that um by the way the players play for him, they don't really play for him. He doesn't really want to play, he doesn't really want to manage them. So I think Um, you know, our retaining list clearly shows the ones he didn't think much of and the ones he wants to keep. So, I think it'll be interesting to see like who he brings in in the summer. Um, I'm not going to expect playoffs next season just because every year I expect it and it never happens. (laughs) I'd just be happy (laughs) to have like a top half finish, you know. Playoffs would be fantastic, but I think it needs a couple seasons to build this squad back up because we don't really have a, a team at the moment. Um, everyone sort of I feel like everyone's sort of playing for themselves, not as a team. So I think it would be great if we can get Nigel Pearson in almost like what we did for Leicester, you know, build them back up. I think that's what we really need. Um so I have faith in him um and what he did for Leicester. Like I just mentioned um you know probably helped them win win the Premier League, you know, a lot of those players that he had um came through him. So mm-hmm. I'm optimistic for him. Yeah the season's been a bit underwhelming to be honest. Um but I don't think that's... It was, a,
0: it was a really good start under Dean Holden, wasn't it? Because you were, you were vying for top spot with, well, with my team, Reading, um, at the start of the season. Yeah. And yes. it's kind of drifted away, didn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's a real shame. It seems to sort of happen like that. Um, You sort of get to Christmas and then we sort of drift off, which is really disappointing. But, um, yeah, it might have just been a new manager by type thing. Um, I don't think Dean Holden is a bad person at all. I just don't think he had the experience. And I think... That decision of um, putting Dean Holden in charge really set us back, you know, a good couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it was a risk they thought might pay off, but unfortunately, it didn't. Um, and if it did pay off, you know, um, it would have been, been great. But um, it was a gamble, wasn't it? So, um, well, yeah, back... it
0: always is when you, when you when you when you appoint a manager who's got no um, no first team managerial experience. No. I think the good thing um, with Bristol City, and what I really like about Bristol City is that Steve Lansdowne he gives uh, he gives managers uh, oodles of time and funding as well. Yeah. Um, it's an extremely extremely well run club, um, and you know you look at the amount of time that Lee Johnson was given, um, and you look at the the, the amount of time that uh, Gary Johnson was given before, um, and the amount of time that um, who was the uh, it was. Um, uh, got you promoted from um, from League One, um, um, Cheltenham guy. Uh, oh, um, Steve, Steve Cottrell. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And they were all given time um, and space to um, to mould their own squad. Yeah. Um, and and it worked. And there are a lot of clubs, and I, I include my own um, in this, that could learn from that, because um, you know certainly my you know, Reading have, have have gone through managers like. Like a um, a machine gun goes through bullets um, yeah. <laughs> in, over the last few years, whereas under Modeski it was very similar to land uh, We yes. had uh, we had you know we, we only had six managers under John Medeski. and yeah. he was in charge for the best part of twenty years. So um, and by and large it worked for us. So it's an approach that works. And that's what I really like about Bristol City. Um, yeah. So and ho- hopefully you know with Nigel Pearson he's a manager that I've coveted. Um, I've wanted to be to be given the job at Reading. So. I wouldn't be surprised to find you pushing up towards the top end of the division next season. Uh, in all honesty,
1: yeah, I totally agree. Um, like you said about Lansdowne, it's I think it's really important to have like stability from the top of the club as well. And he just gives that. You know, the other day he writ, writ off like fourteen million pound in debt. You know, just like that. Um, mm-hmm. he's just, he's just, and he's sort of Bristol born and bred. You know, he understands the club. He understands the fans um and everything he's done for the club is just fantastic and like you were saying you know he gives managers a chance we're not one of the one of these um clubs that change their managers sort of every six months every 12 months so I think everyone was a bit shocked when we sat Dean Holden really because we haven't really sacked a manager that quick in a while um but everyone also wasn't surprised um you know looking at the results so um, and I think that needed to be done because we were sort of looking then at the bottom end of the table instead of the top end, and luckily Pearson sort of pulled us out of that. But um, yeah, it's um, I'm feeling positive overall.
0: <laughs> so, how did it all begin for you? Who did you st- who did you go with? What was the first game? Um, tell me about how it all started.
1: So, like, actually can't remember my first game, but I can remember like. A few key games that I think must have been when I first started going. Um, so I used to go with, I still go with my dad and my granddad um, and my brother as well. Um, I remember, I was, yeah, I was think of seven years old. Um, I think it's about yeah, two thousand and three ish. All I knew of football at that point was um, my granddad had a has a, had a goal in his garden. But he only had one. Mm-hmm. So I went to football and I sat down and went, Dad, why is there two goals? Because <laughs> I was just so confused like, <laughs> I thought, that was football. <laughs> and he was like, look yeah. at me, I was so dumb. But to be fair, I was only seven, so, you know.
0: Um... <laughs> the things that you remember in your early days, the one that I remember, I went to Elm Park for the first time, I was thinking, where's the bloody hell's the running track?
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, yeah, I remember just thinking, what the hell? It's a new experience, and I just remember, like, because my dad just is obsessed with football, and I just thought, well, he must like it for some reason. Um, So I never really gave up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, one of the first games, um, I remember the Barnsley, I think it was the second division playoff final, uh, or the playoff semi final. Yeah, because it's 2000.
0: yeah, two thousand and three, four. You played Brighton in the final, didn't you?
1: Yeah, that was um, when we played the Millennium Stadium, and um, yeah, we had Danny Wilson on charge. I think it was, and we lost yeah, one yeah. to Brighton. And um, apparently, I cried, which was interesting. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just remember Brighton holding the cup up, and my dad storming out. <laughs>
0: And I sort of followed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know all about Wembley, oh, sorry, Wembley, uh, Millennium Stadium playoff defeats, as any Walsall fan will be able to attest. Um, yeah, we, we had exactly the same in the same division three years before. Um, yeah. 33,000 Reading fans and, um, and about seven or eight thousand Walsall fans, and uh, yeah, three quarters of the crowd went home unhappy. Oh. It's not a pleasant feeling, is it?
1: No, I just remember sitting there. I was obviously quite young. I was like, come on, City, come on. Like, just screaming. <laughs> and I think that's where it started, my passion. Like, just wanting them so badly. Just score. I was like, I've got... I think that's why I'm so loud at matches now, because I just have to, like, get my passion out. Sometimes my anger, mm-hmm. which is why my dad doesn't sit next to me anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and why,
1: why when uh, my niece grows a bit older and I'll try and take her, he probably won't let me, because I'll sit there effing and blinding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm. I, I like. You it. wouldn't be the
0: first, and you wouldn't be the last.
1: No, <laughs> I think. Uh, I know it's a bit stereotypical of women because I'm a woman, swearing. Everyone's like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but no, it's it's fun. I'm always the one singing when everyone else around me isn't singing. I'm like, well, "What are you doing? Come on, go get behind the team."
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, whereabouts in the ground do you sit now?
1: Uh, I sit in the South Stand. So we've got like a singing section, which is called like, uh, what's it called? S, S23, something like that. Stand yeah. I, I'm in stand 24. Uh, section 82 so, it's called, yeah, because we were formed in 1980. Is it, not, no, 1882.
0: 1882,
1: yeah. Yeah, so that's, they call themselves Section 82 in the corners. They're the loud corner with all the flags. And I'm sort of like the block next to it. So I kind of. Need... So, yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to um, locate it. So, uh, where the TV gantry is? Uh, is it that's to the to the right of the camera, isn't it behind the goal, or to the to one side of the goal?
1: Yeah, it's like um, you got a TV on one side, and then the other side, it's got like Heineken. It's got like a Heineken logo on top.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Side so it around there.
0: Yeah. That's the older way end. 'Cause I, I haven't been to Ashton yes. Gate since uh since two thousand and ten. Yeah. Um and uh used to love going there because of the amount of noise that away fans could take. And Reddit always take a decent following to to Ashton Gate. Don't always sell out, but usually fifteen hundred, two thousand. And underneath that old roof, that barrel uh roof
1: yeah.
0: of the uh, the old wedlock end, you could create a massive din.
1: Yeah.
0: And I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. So is your family, um, are, they, are they all City supporters or is it kind of a mix of City and Rovers or...
1: Well, interesting you ask. So my dad, City through and through, born and bred. My mum, her dad was a massive Rovers fan. Her brother's a massive Rovers fan. All her family are Rovers fans. So, uh, yeah, imagine their shock when she marries a massive City fan. <laughs> and
0: that's, I can imagine.
1: Yes. I chose City. And now she's pretty much a City fan. She'll, whenever the Rovers lose, she'll kind of cheer them on. Um, Which is kind of weird because she used to like go to a lot of Rovers matches with my auntie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think she's been with my dad (laughs) so long now that she's, yeah. I think she has a bit of a soft spot for Rovers. I'm not going to lie. She won't admit it, but I think she does. Just because she kind of grew up with it. But um, I think because my dad supports City now, she's. She sort of like she'll watch the matches during lockdown, you know, and it was on telly all the time and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You say so, you
0: say you chose City. Was was there really a choice?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mum didn't, didn't used to go to Rovers so. games, so. But um, so yeah, I, my dad just took me along, and I just never really looked any different. Yeah, went for any different. Um, I never really, I don't think I ever considered Rovers. I don't think the option was given to me. I think I, I think my dad mm-hmm. quickly made sure I went to the red side, not the blue. <laughs> but yeah, I I,
0: know, I, I, I'm in exactly that space. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with my with my boys. So um early days, obviously, two thousand and three. There's a playoff final involved, Um yeah. and sort of sketchy memories. I think is that fair to say? Yeah, but as 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 time sort of wears on those memories presumably they they um they start getting more uh more focused and more formed. Yeah. Um so uh what's the first season that you can really remember following uh City, sorry. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um this wasn't that long ago, but like it's a season that's like really vivid to me because it was just like the best season ever. Uh, I think it was 2014, 2015, when we when you got promoted um, became when we were the champions of League One. But I just remember such a good season because the team, like it was so, it was like so together. Um, and the squad, you know, you got the likes of Luke Freeman, Aidan Flynn, you know, Marlon Pack, Joe Bryan, Bobby Reed, um, who are now sort of top of the championship, um, Fulham and. Um, In the Premier League. So, um, yeah, that was a season, I think, I started to really get into my football. I was probably about 15 or something. Um, But I really started to properly get into it. And I sort of made friends at football and things. So that's the one I kind of remember the most, just because what Steve Cottrell did as well. Everyone just bought into him and his persona. And the, the team bought into him. The players bought into him. Um. And it was just ridiculous, like the goals we scored. Like Aiden Flint scored a rabona against, I think it was Warsaw. We won eight two at home or something stupid, and just like it was just silly, at the end, like just silly goals. And it was just amazing.
0: Because <laughs> you scored an absolute bucket load as well, didn't you? Didn't didn't? Am I yeah. right in saying you got over a hundred points?
1: Yeah, I think we did. I think we got one hundred and one, maybe, or was it mm-hmm. just under? Maybe it was like ninety nine. Maybe By the way,
2: yeah.
0: you 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 absolutely dominated the division. I, yeah. I, I distinctly recall. I yes. remember um, uh, the first game of the season was uh, it was televised, wasn't it, on, against Sheffield United? Yes. And you went you went up there, and was it a two one win and a, a, a quite a comfortable two one win as well? I remember watching yes. it it was an yes. early kickoff because we had Wigan away, and I was watching it in a bar in Wigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and, and was it? Uh, 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 Aaron Wilbraham had just signed for you as well. And I remember you played the 3 5 2 and you just absolutely battered him down the wings. It's really really yeah. good to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was I think yeah, I think from the start it was just a good season and it just never really ended. Um Yeah, it was it was quite unforgettable that season, really. And I just mm-hmm. um even like the parade around the city, because I haven't really experienced that, you know. Um I've never seen us – well, we haven't ever been to the Premier League or anything, so that was kind of, like, quite a big thing because I was, you know, only sort of 14, 15. Um, that's my first, like, proper experience of, like, promotion that I can, like, vividly remember. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, something that I I often say, and it's something that was uh, mentioned by my second guest on the show, Neil, um, is you, you never forget your first promotion. No. Uh, and it's so, so true, and something that, that's a recurring theme everybody talks about their first promotion with such yes. such pride, such such vivid memory.
1: We did... Oh, I can't remember what year it was now. Maybe it was when we got to Wembley in 2008, and um, I just remember the final whistle and just the whole... I, I was quite young then. Must have been about 12, 13. No, I think I was 11, actually. Um, and, yeah, I just remember everyone storming the pitch after the game. And... Um, yeah, just celebrating with my granddad and my brother and my dad. It was amazing, and I remember like taking picking up a bit, picking off a bit of grass from the pitch and chucking it in my dad's bag. We're talking
0: the we're talking the semi final here with the, the, the win against Crystal Palace.
1: That's it. Yeah, Crystal Palace.
0: Um, yeah, I was it Lee Trundle who scored for, scored a, a beautiful curling effort from the corner of the area?
1: Yes, that was lush. That was a, a very a very a very
0: a very slim line Lee Trundle. I hasten to add.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a guy he
0: carries a bit carry, he carry, carries a bit of timber but, uh, but they say he was yeah. he was very slim back then but yeah what a player as well really really good player
1: yeah he was he's one of my favourites I think you sort of have your favourite players don't you mm-hmm. um, yeah he was one of them yeah that was a great that was a great day the uh, final not so much but we'll forget about that
0: <laughs> uh, yeah another playoff defeat yeah I, I sympathise oh. and empathise in, in equal measure
1: in the new Wembley as well, mm-hmm. oh, I've never felt heartbreak like that. I think that's my first football heartbreak. No way,
0: Dean D- <laughs> D- Dean Windass as well, and who's uh, who's oh, never God. never endeared himself to Reading fans at all. Um, Don't remind
1: but,
2: me. Mm, <laughs> Very yeah, painful. sorry. <laughs>
1: I just remember andriano Basso just having the worst. Everyone had the worst game. Bradley Hall had a bad game. Everyone a bad game. I, sh- I just remember screaming, "Come on!" <laughs> I just no, just couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, it was horrible. The journey back, and I just remember all on the coach home, all these whole fans just like <laughs> giving us the signs with their hands. And I was mm-hmm. like, only eleven. I was just like, what? That's so mean. <laughs> there were some that were clapping. Half of them were clapping us away. The other half were like swearing at us. <laughs> Like, right, welcome
0: Sam. to fo- welcome welcome to football. Yeah. That was my first, I think that was yeah. my
1: first sort of experience of football fans. I was like, cool. <laughs> cool.
0: And the thing with um with, with City and, and that playoff final um is is that was the last real sort of close attempt that you had getting yeah. uh, getting into the Premier League, wasn't it?
2: Yeah.
0: And you've been all right, you've you've had the relegation to um to League One and the promotion what was it three or four seasons at League One level, wasn't it? Yeah. Um yeah. But you've always been a since and, and you know, to an extent you could say um, you know, fair play to Lansdowne and, and, and the managers that you've had, you've you've generally been, with a couple of exceptions, um a fair to middling mid-table club and a stable mm. club. But yeah. you've never really gone on to challenge and made that extra step up to uh to challenge the playoffs, have you, since then?
1: No. I, I remember when I left, my dad said to me, We'll be back next year and I thought, No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But he tried to cheer me up. <laughs> but no, since then we, we I don't re- we haven't really got close. You know, like like we were saying earlier, we start the season off quite promising and tail off. Um, and I'm grateful with, like you said, a stable club. You know, I never really worry too much about going down. Sometimes, if we're playing really bad, I'm like, oh god, it's a you know, it's when within in reach, but I know it's not likely to happen. Um, it's mm-hmm. just annoying that. We seem to have all the sort of right formula. It's just not clicking together, which I really hope Pearson is that man just to click everything together because we've got everything. You know, you've got the new training ground now. Um, Like you said, we've got the backing. um, And now, you know, we've got Pearson as a manager now, not just a head coach like Dean Holden was, who's going to have a lot more control about who comes in. You know, he's going to bring in his players, his experience, hopefully some of his staff as well. Um, just that bit of continuity, I think. I'm really hoping that that'll be the thing that is just that was has been missing for these, you know, about well, 15 years or however long it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I hope that I hope it works out. Um, but I am feeling a bit more hopeful now. I think Nigel Pearson was a massive statement that the club really needed to make. I think the fans were just getting quite fed up of season upon season just missing out. Um, so I think they needed to do something for the fans as well, just to give us a bit more belief because it's been a bit rubbish the last few years, really. Mm-hmm. So fingers crossed.
0: But you, so you, you, you obviously, as you mentioned, you absolutely uh, romped league one in 2015. Yeah. It was a struggle for Steve Cottrell coming up, wasn't it? After, um, after that promotion, um, struggled to make the transition into the championship. Um yeah, Cottle was uh, was sacked around sort of December January time, wasn't he? Um, and and Lee Johnson uh, was appointed. Now Lee mm-hmm. Johnson's a sort of manager that I've always is always struck me as a very streaky manager.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he will go through huge runs of defeats and then epic runs of of, uh, of good form. Um, what's the general feeling um, of uh, what What was the general feeling with him in charge at uh, Ashton Gate?
1: Uh, when we first appointed him, it was quite underwhelming for a lot of people, I think, because the lack of experience he had. Um, but I think probably the reason we got him was um, because, well, there's always links with Gary Johnson. I think, you know, he knows the club. He used to play play for City. Um, I think, again, it was sort of a bit of a gamble, but not as much as a gamble as, say, Dean Holden was. But, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I think it was a bit disappointing I think people thought oh you know the cheap option again that's what our fans like to say a lot um <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had that again. with
0: Domadosky yeah. as well <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but yeah it was a bit I was a bit excited because I used to sort of like Lee Johnson as a player he was like my first player crush um when I was going to football I tried to get his picture multiple times but I was too scared <laughs> um so I was I was quite Sort of happy to have him back, um, but yeah, like you said, he sort of goes on runs of form, does really well, and you think, right, this is it. And then I think when you're in a lull of sort of um, a loss of games, a streak of lo- losses, um, I think it's quite hard for him to get that resilience. I think he's a bit of a soft manager, you know, unlike Nigel Pearson, who's quite straight to the point. You know, if you've been crap, he'll tell you. You've been rough. Yeah, he, he
0: strikes me as the sort of person who would pack absolutely no punches whatsoever or pull no punches. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's a bit of a Neil warnock style manager, I think, sort of behind the yeah. scenes. He will, you won't be afraid to tell people. Whereas I think Lee Johnson, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. He sort of seems like a sort of pat on the back kind of manager. Don't worry, you did your best, you know. Um, which I think maybe I think I think you get, don't get me wrong, like Lee Johnson, he got the club, I think, you know, he got the fans and I think fans really warmed to him at that point, you know. Um, But, you know, it's when you've had him, you know, for three years or however long we had him and it was just sort of up, down, up, down of these, you know, winning streets and losing streets, I think fans caught on quite fast and realised, you know, we're not going to get to the Premier League, with him um where which is where we want to be um which is why we sacked him um but great guy you know nice lovely guy but unfortunately doesn't win you games um when when you need to be winning them but um yeah but I, I liked him but he was he, he is we did call him Streaky Lee. <laughs> I <might> think- <laughs> He's 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 um he's quite a funny guy. I like him as a person, but he's a I wouldn't say the best manager. But I wish him well at Sunderland. Unfortunately, obviously missed out this year's um promotion. But um I think I think he's um he's got what it takes, you know. And I think League One is a bit more suited for him, really. Um, mm. I think. Hopefully he will take them up. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the next series of Sunderland until I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: get an insight into the man himself at, uh, at a football club. That'll be uh, what yeah. say it will be. Uh, will be <laughs> that is a really good series actually. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So just yeah, yeah, the uh, mad, it... mad cap ownership before. Uh, just... I
1: know. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of words I could say about Mark Ashton, but um, yeah, he's he doesn't seem to know too much about football. He's great in making money. I'll give you that. Um, but I prefer someone who sort of knows about the game, and um it got to a point where the fans turned on him and <laughs> um'm yeah, I think we're glad to see the back of him now um
2: how long
0: it been since he went?
1: oh yeah he, he left officially on the thirty first of May so, right okay, um, yeah, quite recently it's funny, isn't it.
0: With uh, with CEOs because because we've had our own issues with uh, with uh, Ron Gawley, um who had success at United, Man United, and Chelsea, but took the job, the CEO's job at our place, and just didn't get football for a a, a provincial club um, yeah. like like Reading. Yeah. So you know, it's a, a similar case really of um, of, a, of a of a of a man who just didn't get the club. Um, no.
1: Yeah, I think with Mark, Mark Ashton, you know, like I said, he's a great businessman. You know, knows how to make money. There's no doubt in that. You know, and like he can could be a great CEO if he's given, you know, the right responsibilities. But I think he had too almost too much responsibility. You know, he was sort of in charge of who came in and out the club. He had sort of control over transfers and stuff. So when we had um, Dean Holden, he was like head coach. So he didn't really have well, like. Um, like um Lee Johnson, you know, he didn't. Lee Johnson didn't really have control. Who came in? He sort of signed. He sort of got the contract sorted and things. And I think he did do some of the sort of scouting and things. So, yeah, it was quite backwards um, in terms of that. So I think um, getting rid of him was a good thing. But that's not to say he won't be successful at Ipswich. You know, might be different mm-hmm. setup and things. So, like I said you know, he got us a lot of money, you know, when we sold out Adam Webster for how much, how much and um, sort of got a lot of profit on our own academy players, such as um, Bobby Reed and Joe Bryan, who, you know, are doing really well now at Fulham. So, um, you know, that was great money making, but we didn't really replace them. And I think that's the problem, Mm -hmm. you know, we're getting rid of players and not replacing them with quality and not, you know, I don't really know where that money's gone, I think. And, Obviously gone somewhere, but I don't. It hasn't obviously gone on replacing those quality players, or we sort of went on the went sort of for the cheap again. And these these players we got didn't cut the mustard again. It's, it's a bit of risk taking, which I don't think you can afford to take anymore. And I think that was why Pearson was such a statement for fans. I I didn't really expect. It. I thought it was all just. I I thought that was true to the rumors, but I thought oh, they, they won't ever do it. Like I just know City won't do that because I'm just used to stuff like that not happening to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was great when that did happen. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I suppose, you know, I, I can imagine that Nigel Pearson would have said that I want absolute um, control over players coming in because I want it to be my team, not the club's team, as it were. Yes. Um, which is, uh, which. Yeah, that's one of the things, what you've just explained there with, uh, with Lee Johnson and um, uh, Dean Holden is one of the things that drives me nuts with football. Is yeah. when a manager is is sort of labelled a head coach, but the club bestows players on that manager. That manager isn't able to actually build his own team, um, which is what I think a manager should be able to do. That drives yeah. me absolutely balmy.
2: Yeah, but it's
0: the way football's going, um, uh, unfortunately. And my club yeah. have, have bought into that into that wholesale pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. We're almost to a uh, to a super agent um, in Kia uh, Ghirabjian, and. It's not a great state of affairs, really. Um, I think there are far too many. My opinion is that there are far too many um, uh, agents who uh, are trying to bestow players on clubs rather than the opposite. The opposite way around: clubs looking for specific players. Um, yeah. It's not a not a healthy place to be.
1: But, no, exactly. I agree. Uh, so
0: if if, uh, if if Bristol City are doing it what I consider to be the right way, then um, all, all power to them.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that probably was one of Nigel Pearson's terms when he joined, was to say, you know, I'll come, but I want control. And obviously, he's been given that. So, fingers crossed, it'll all work out. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how next season unfolds. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see the difference with the fans back. I'm really excited to come back. So, I think that will be <laughs> everyone. i everyone. Amen to that,
0: brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear god i can't wait i just can't wait
1: yeah no. i've really missed it it's just been it's it's your thing isn't it you when you go to football it's just your it's your hobby you do it every weekend and you just get used to it it's sort of your your routine and it's not just your routine it's just, yeah it's not just going to the ground it's you know meeting up with friends at the pub and you know having a drink or having some exactly chips yeah, I find the build-up to the match so much nicer because it's just you don't know the mood you're going to be in when you come home, which I don't know if I like mm-hmm. it or not. But I just like the fact that at that moment before the game, you're happy. It's like right, I'm at the ground, I'm in the concourse, or I'm in the pub, or I'm with my mates. You know, optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we're not. You know, and that's the thing. You just doing...
0: don't. You just don't know what you're going to see. And uh, this is partly uh, one of the one of the other side issues is when you go to every game or when you go to almost every game, you do it partly because you thoroughly enjoy it, but B, you're scared you're going to miss something. Yeah. You know, you might miss that, that you know, that that epic overhead kick in a 3-0 win yeah. or that abject performance, um, you know, uh, with a 4-0 defeat mm. that you don't enjoy, but you must endure as a football supporter, um, yeah. I think. It's all yeah, part yeah. of the the education and the experience.
1: Yeah, you've got to be there. You know, it's it's horrible to watch sometimes, but it's part of, like you said, it's part of being a football fan, you know, and you go through it, you know, when you look, when you say, you know, when you're older, you say to your kids, your grand- grandkids, oh, this happened when I was, used to watch Bristol City, and oh, don't have it that bad now, like, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. Um, so, I think, yeah, it's just part of possible being a football fan, and I think the great moments definitely outweigh the bad, you know, just mm-hmm. make you forget about it. just makes it all worth it. Um, and as painful as the bad is, you know, at least we've got, you've got the football. That's what's made me realise about lockdown is like, at least we could go. Like I I still want to go to Gate, even if it meant I know we would have lost like two nil or something, you know, just to be there again. It just kind of puts yeah. things into perspective a lot more. Um, yeah
0: and i think i think one of the good things again from lockdown is people are going to appreciate their clubs more and appreciate um the 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 the, the appreciate the match day again um yeah. and and hopefully um while i'm not expecting um people to be more um uh lenient with their clubs um hopefully it will be a more I want to use the word pleasant experience, but that's ah, oh, that's that's probably not the right word to use. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's gonna it's a more enjoyable experience, regardless of, you know, you don't want to see people, um, you know, a, a reasonably well-run club, you know, going absolutely nuts if they're 2 0 down with ten minutes to go. Um yeah. You know, you want you want to see them encouraging, but also appreciating the fact that they're at their game, you know, they're they're, at, they're able to go to their match again, and uh, you know, maybe this is the the potential for a supporter basis to, to press that reset button
1: yeah I think so as well um, and I think yeah for so long we just haven't been we've watched these losses etc on 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 TV I follow whatever um, and we just can't we can't support them and I think no matter the, what the score I think you've just got to get behind your team because if you just start moaning leaving early complaining you know you need I think during lockdown, definitely the presence of the fans has been really missed. And I think just having that atmosphere again, I think, is going to be so important for the players to motivate them and just for the fans just to sing again and um just be in that atmosphere. I, you know, I'd even love to be in an atmosphere where everyone's moaning because at least it's in an atmosphere, you know. <laughs> so I think I don't know, it might go th- and the true, other thing, people might just spend their time moaning because they haven't been able to moan at a ground.
2: <laughs> I mean yeah, I might yes. start
1: doing that instead of annoying my fiance at home shouting at the TV I'll just be able to do it at Ashton Gate fine
0: so we're talking about um getting back to games yes um and uh, getting back to the old routine um and certain things being um uh, just football and accepted at football but one of the things um, that, that clearly you've experienced, and the eleven other women, and plenty of other women in football, is um, is the whole sexism thing. Yes. Um, and um, I suppose I suppose the question here is just uh, if you're willing to uh, give us some examples of the, uh, of, the of the the should we call them the incidents or the comments that you've received. I'm assuming that there's going to be plenty online. Um, has there actually been any um, sort of face-to-face or exclusion, exclusory exclusive, exclusion in a, a sort of a, um, a conversational setting or anything like?
1: That?
0: Uh, Tell us what sort of uh, experiences you've had.
1: Kind of, like, I kind of feel like, yeah, I don't think I have like specific experiences, but it's more like you know, I walk into a pub and it's full of sort of bloke fans I can tell everyone's sort of staring at me <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know whether that's an anxiety thing but I just have that feeling that everyone's like oh there's a woman what are you doing here um and I have gone to you know I've been gone to Preston away on my own because I really wanted to go and no one else would go with me and I just thought you know what I'm just gonna go because you know life's too short never been to Preston before never been to Deep Deepdale really wanted mm-hmm. to go so I got on the coach and went the amount of people were like, you're on your own. And I was like, yeah. But like, if I was a bloke, people probably wouldn't bat an eyelid if they were on their own. No, exactly. Own. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I kind of thought, oh no, people are just sort of looking out for me. Because um, it, it was quite a scary thing to do, really, as a female football fan, because I, I, you feel a bit more vulnerable. And I know that sounds stupid, and I know people wouldn't do anything. But I think, yeah, I feel like if you're with a your dad, or with your partner, you know, oh, she's gone with a dad, or she's gone with a partner. But if you're on your own, they're like, oh, why is she here on her own? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's weird. And I kind of wish that wouldn't happen. Um, but at the time, yeah, I didn't really see it as people were being, I sort of saw them as looking out for me. But it is a bit weird that they thought to say that when, in fact, if I was a foul man, they wouldn't say that. But. Mm-hmm. I think also because I, I was quite nervous because it's like the first away game on my own. It was quite far away as well. And I didn't really know yeah. anyone. You know, I sort of went on my own. But the great thing about football is I think once you start going on your own, you do meet other people. So, you know, I met this like lovely group of fans and stuff. One of them was a woman as well. I can't remember her name. I think she was called Julie, but she goes to like all the matches and stuff. And, you know, she like took me under her wing. And I think obviously I wasn't the first female fan she's seen on her own because straight away she sort of like included me because she sort of noticed I was feeling a bit sort of like... Uh, I don't know anyone. <laughs> so that was really lovely. And, you know, now I know them as friends and things. So um, I'm really glad I did that. But at the time, <laughs> it was quite scary. And I wish it wasn't so scary. But now I know I've done it. It's all right. But I haven't really had anyone say anything to me, to be fair. I've had, I've had people sort of say, when I've sort of talked about football in front of friends or, you know, someone who's a football fan, I'll see a pub or something. If I mention that I'm a season ticket holder, they'll be like, what? Like, they'll be really shocked. Um but I don't know if that's a really sexism thing. I just think you don't really expect it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, not anything, like, that stands out to me as, like, horrible. It's just little things that I kind of thought were normal that maybe should just be accepted, you know. But when I grew up, I was sort of known, well, when I told people that, I liked football. Everyone was like, well, you... that's quite strange for a woman to like football. Mm-hmm. And I thought, sort of, well, yeah, it is. Like, kind of laughed it off. But actually, like, it's fine. Like, it should be accepted. And I remember doing PE at school and I really wanted to play football, but we never played football. It was always the girls played netball or basketball or squash or something. And the men, always, every every game, the boys, they, they every day at PE, the boys played football. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, why can't I play football? And they played, like, four times a week. No, not four times a week. Sort of, like, four times, yeah, a lesson. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit, like... I remember feeling a bit annoyed about that because I I remember at one point I did want to be a footballer and I kind of feel like maybe if I was given more opportunity at school, I might have built up the confidence to do something like yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it kind of starts from, like, school because... Well, just from like the society is in a whole as well. Like it's not just a man's sport. Like women can enjoy it as well. And I think that kind of did affect me a bit as well because I kind of always knew it as something men did. Less like I never I felt like I had to earn my I always feel like I have to earn my place to be a football fan because Mm -hmm. I feel like people expect me to have knowledge or like they expect me to know a certain amount to be qualified as like a football fan. When, in fact, anyone can be a football fan. Like, you can just enjoy, you know, you don't have to be a fan of a club. Like, you can just like watching football on the telly each weekend. And you don't have to know much. You can just enjoy watching it, you know. But I think because I'm a female, I have this sort of pressure to know more. Yeah. Or know... That's a,
0: a, the, the word I used at the, um, at the very start was validate your place. Yeah. Which you shouldn't have to do. Um, yeah. And nobody should ever have to do that. I think um, certainly since since I was young, um, there's there's certainly been a culture of um, supporters needing to undertake or feeling that they need to undertake the um, almost the um, the unofficial apprenticeship of supporting their club. Yeah, um, and I know I certainly um, when I was younger had a few discussions when I was like 18, 19 in the pub. Uh, and felt like my 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 position was being belittled a little bit because i hadn't undertaken I hadn't necessarily undertaken that apprenticeship per se um not that not that anybody should have to do that um but it's just strike me um from what you're saying that um there's extra pressure on women to um uh, to be accepted uh because th- th- there's that extra um extra degree of what the fuck's she doing here? Kind of thing to it. Yeah. Um, is is that a fair thing to to say?
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like you know when. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't know if it's just an unconscious feeling I've got, but I I do feel like I have to prove what I'm saying a bit more, like back it up. Otherwise, people might just sort of well, if a man was to say something, their opinion, I feel like. You know, would just be male. accepted. Yeah, it would just sort of be accepted. And so oh, I agree to disagree. Whereas if it's a female, I feel like it's harder for me to back up what I'm saying. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: even like at match, I can tell, you know, when I'm at football, people are kind of like, I don't know, if I'm on my own, if I'm with someone, I think people, they don't bat an eyelid. but like I sit at the ground, I sit at Ashton Gate on my own and you can sort of tell like there's people sort of like looking like, oh, what are you doing on your own? Not in a horrible way, but I think people aren't used to, like, seeing it, but... Yeah. um, Yeah. It's, yeah, it's... Like I said, I think it comes down to, like, the culture as well, like... And I don't think it's really, like, the people's fault. It's, like, been drilled into them a little bit. I mean, it is... It is to a degree that people's fault, because, you know, they're just not opening their eyes to what's going on, but... It's just like understanding what, from a female perspective, what it's like. And it shouldn't really be like that. Like, I feel like it should be equal for everyone. Mm
2: -hmm. And like yeah,
1: I just feel like my opportunities growing up, because, you know, I was really into football and I was like, oh, I could actually, I like, I kind of wanted to be a female football player growing up. And I was just like, I felt it was going to be much harder for me to do it because I never got to play at school. So I thought, well, I'm obviously not going to be a footballer then because the school don't want me to do it and I just Mm -hmm. never really persevered it but I feel like how many girls who want to get into football are now going to go through that same how much
0: talent has been missed
1: yeah and I just remember like this adrenaline rush I used to get when I used to play football and that's the kind of that's the same adrenaline rush I get when I watch it now and I think that's why Mm -hmm. I, I love football so much because it just reminds me you know my childhood when I used to go to football how I felt when I used to play football. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just a great game because it's just so... I just link it to, like, emotional memories of, you know, when I, my family used to take me and things. And mm-hmm. that's so important. And that's why I hold on to City. Like, no matter what, even if we go to the bloody conference, I'll still be there week in, week out, um, supporting the team. And um, I think, yeah. As it should be. Yeah,
0: exactly. As it should be. So, um, talk to me about the um, the type of abuse that you receive um, on social media. Um, clearly, there's the um, the message that you that you held up in the video. Yeah. Um, but uh, as uh, Kaz was saying earlier, and Lucy um, uh, on the the intro video, um, and in the episode that I did with Kaz, episode six. Um, she's noticed that it was it it grew um exponentially um throughout lockdown and since since covid really kicked off yeah um to the extent where obviously she'd had enough um yeah. is i'm assuming um presuming that that's the uh that's the the same experience that you've had
1: pretty much yeah um i felt the same during lockdown as well i think because you're not at the grounds people's voices are on twitter you know they're not They're not saying this to their mates, they're voicing it on Twitter for the fans to see because it's almost like a, you know, fans in the stadium chatting to each other, but actually online because you can't do that now. Um, And I think during lockdown, obviously people on social media more, people on their phones more, they're chatting to each other during the game, debating opinions on things. Was that a penalty? Was that not a penalty? Is that a red card? You know, things you'd usually just say, have a debate with your mates sat in the stadium. You're now doing it online. I mean not to say like it was never done on Twitter, but it's definitely grown. Um, and I mm-hmm. and, you know, relating to that, you know, I've put opinions online and I have been quite badly slaughtered for it. And I had to like Kaz, I had to come off Twitter because it was just it got to the point where I was like, am I actually mm-hmm. these things are saying to me? And I was it was ruining my evenings and I was just like, why am I letting these people who I don't even know Make these assumptions about who I am. You know, I had someone say to me, Oh, we were all chatting about you at the pub and um, how I'm, you know, I've got a big ego and how I'm so full of myself when that could be far from the truth, really. Like, um, I was, and these people I'd never spoken to before, I've never met them. And I thought, What, who are you to make these assumptions about me? And if I was, say, a male, I wouldn't have these opinions second guessed. They just, people just brush
0: past do you, them. Do you think, uh, so I'm just asking a slightly difficult question here.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you think you, you've, you've, um, you've expressed um, earlier the fact that you, you feel that you need to validate um, your opinions um, more than, than, than a man?
2: Mm-hmm. Do
0: you think that that potentially, uh, that, that need to validate has been taken perhaps the wrong way?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think... Because I I feel like I have to explain myself more sometimes, Um, because just to get a simple point out, um, it could be about how players performed that day or how I think the manager's performing, for example. You know, I kind of say how I feel on there because it is like my little diary Twitter. I kind of and I have a rant on there because I can't do it at the grounds. Like I said, you know, I have a rant. Some people don't like it. I'm kind of like, well, whatever. I'm happy being known as the person that moans. <laughs> but um, sometimes people do sort of take it the wrong way. And I think, yeah, like you said, I think because I've, I've ha- I have to tweet my opinions to make it feel like, I mean, I know what I'm talking about. But I have to, there's this sort of like unwritten rule that I have to show people that I know I'm talking about. Otherwise, people think I don't belong. And it shouldn't be Express like that.
0: the detail in, in, in your opinion. Is that
1: is that yeah. what you're trying to say?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: i trying to say, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, again, that shouldn't, you know, if, if, you're, if you're eligible about football, you shouldn't have to feel like you're doing that. No. You know, people should accept of- a, a footballing opinion. Um, um, and, you know, you can constructively f- disagree. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, you shouldn't feel that you sh- you you are going to be belittled because um, somebody disagrees with that. Um, yeah. But you know, so when you're you know when you're on Twitter and you you see some of the some of the opinions um, and the responses to those or the responses to your opinions, mm. um, the message that I'm getting, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's a cumulative effect. Um yeah. You know, sexism can be it, it's it's not as uh, it's not as brazen and it's not as outright as homophobia or um or racism um or anti-semitism or or, or anything like that it's a much right. more subtle beast um, mm-hmm. but it's possible that it strikes me as uh, the cumulative effect takes um um well takes effect uh, and you keep on getting these single little messages and it's just a build-up and a build-up and a build-up and a build-up and, build and suddenly there's one little message, and this one person might just think, "Oh, you know, um, it's 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 there's not much to this," yeah. but everything else below that makes that single message the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, and that's what I think that people are one of the things that I think people are missing here um, is that cumulative effect. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm asking you, is that fair?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, um, I've noticed the sort of same even. Ethan- Sometimes I'll tweet something and someone will reply um, and they'll just dis- disagree, which is totally fine. And then you have other people which will sort of reply with a sort of tone to it. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, do I delete this tweet now? Because I just have a feeling that once one person jumps on it, someone else is going to jump on it and someone else is going to jump on it. And then it kind of spirals like that. Um, and it does get out of control and sometimes you can sort of deal with it it depends what mood you're in I think as well sometimes just uh whatever your pin doesn't matter but some days you know you've had a bit of a busy day at work or a stressful day and you see something like you said it might just be something small that they don't even think is a big thing and that just sort of triggers you you know and you sort of feel really low about it you know and
2: mm-hmm.
1: like you said it makes you doubt yourself you know am I Am I a worthy person? You know, am I the things these people are saying to me? Maybe I don't belong in football. Maybe I need to get back to the kitchen and make you a sandwich. You know? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I once I had, you know, nothing against Leeds. I'm sure most of their fans are really lovely. But um, I did have like an army of Leeds fans once on me. And I can't remember what I said. I think I sort of said, I think when Man City Stadium first came out, I saw like a view of up all the top, and I was like, "Oh, it looks a bit bowlish." And I kind of prefer like the old, sort of like rustic stadiums.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I quite like like Portman Road and like um, Fratton Park, like that kind of, yeah. kind of stadiums. So I saw the new Man City stadium. I'm sh- yeah, it looks fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but from the sky, I was like, "Oh, it looks a bit like a bowl." Not you know, and I had these like army of people just like, "Oh, you don't know anything about football," blah blah, blah. and then I had. This Leeds fan photoshopped my face onto a woman in a kitchen. So they took my picture and put my face on a on a woman in a kitchen. It's like get back to the kitchen. And I just like felt really violated because I used my picture. And I was just like, What? But they there was like an army of them. And then they just started to comment on my appearance and I thought, right, now this is like getting way too far, you know. Yeah. It's personal. Um, yeah. Kaz, again,
0: personal. Kaz Kaz mentioned there was there was body shaming and and, yeah. and, and whatnot involved. Um say this is going down the same road, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It like you said, it builds up, builds up, builds up. Um, to the point where you just need to go, right, I'm coming off Twitter now, because as great as Twitter is, you know, you get people on there who just say whatever they want and it's not all right. And I uh, Twitter no, really, no Twitter really needs to do more. Like when you report someone, nothing happens. And I just feel there needs to be like some sort of um, ID process, identification process when making a Twitter account or an Instagram account or
2: mm-hmm.
1: a social media account because you, otherwise anyone can make an, an account. You can make an anonymous account with a footballer as a profile picture or any a cat as your profile picture and no one will know who you are. You can say whatever you want and you will not reap the consequences. You know, You don't know mm-hmm. this person and you're just saying these things to people.
0: Um, and that's exactly why why I've um I mean I I there was a point in time up until fairly recently actually that I refused to put a picture of myself on twitter i've now yeah. changed my profile picture to a picture of myself so that so that i can be held accountable for my views um and you know because i know the risk of sounding big headed i know i'm fairly well known um by um people um at Reading football club um and as this podcast hopefully grows I'll I'll become um sort of more recognizable across the whole football population um and the simple reason why I've done that is so that I can become more accountable
1: yeah yeah too right like you said I think it's just too easy for people to sit behind a keyboard and say these things and not get any consequences for it um Mm -hmm. and like yeah I just don't think it's right and I just think in 2021 like Why is this still happening? And I think if we had some sort of barrier, I sort of identification process, people would definitely think twice, you know, doubly twice before they tweet things to other people, Um, because you know it's almost like you're saying it to their face, isn't it? You're you you are held accountable then for it, whereas you know if you've got an anonymous account with a random name, people can't track you down well they can but it's much more lengthy so Mm -hmm. yeah it would just it would just really improve things if they did that but I'm not very hopeful because you know it's probably how they make a lot of money is the ease of people being able to make accounts and I think yeah yeah. Uh,
0: I think one of the issues also that we have is that Twitter um, and all the social media companies um, they're subject to the laws of, of all of the 200 odd, 200 plus countries, um, rather than just one specific law, uh, which makes it difficult for, um, for them to, um, to manage. But at the same time, I suppose the, 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 the reverse of that is if they have an internet presence in that company, then, you know, you could argue that they need to have, um, a personal or a a company presence in that country. So, um, yeah, I'm no expert on social media and, and IT. I'm a complete technophobe, but that seems to be you know, a fair, uh, a fair um, assumption of what needs to happen. So talk to me um, about her game too. Um, clearly Kaz uh, is the... Um, uh, the she, she was the person with the idea behind it. Um, yeah. But of course, everybody else is, uh, is now recognized as a, as a co-creator. Uh, so, how did you get involved? And um, and uh, do you have any sort of specific roles? Or, um, yeah, tell me about it.
1: So, um, Kaz messaged me. Well, I think her and Lucy had this idea. And Kaz messaged me and said, I've got this idea. Can I run it past you? And I just thought, yeah, that sounds really good. And because um, I just thought for a while, I've been thinking something like this was so needed. And I even messaged her. Don't know, it must be about six months ago. Saying, "I really want to do something about it" because I noticed she was getting some abuse online, mm-hmm. and I said, "Oh, you know, why don't we do a podcast or something for female fans?" I just wanted to do something for female fans, um, but that never really transpired. I think it was almost like a thought, and we thought, "Right, we'll need to act on it someday," but nothing ever came of it. And then Kaz um, had this great idea, um, asked me to take part, and I was yeah really excited that she asked me and. Um we sort of had the first sort of few girls that she knew of and she asked if anyone else knows any that we can add on and then yeah, it ended up with us twelve. So um we're really yeah, great set of girls. Um everyone sort of chips in with stuff. Um for example, like me and Kaz went on Points West Live, which is like Bristol's local BBC news. Um we went on their live, and you know other people do up north, and we've got quite uh, we're quite national in terms of the, where each of the girls live. So we that's been really beneficial in covering um, nationally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone like I said, everyone's been playing their part. Obviously, some people have more time than others. You know, some might not work as much as others. So I work full time, so it's quite hard for me to sort of find free time, but. Um, yeah I you know we all chip in and do our thing we don't really have specific roles at the moment I know Amy likes to do her spreadsheets um (laughs) she's she's on that um yeah I think Kaz does a lot of you know the interviews and things um but we we share them around as well you know like if someone says oh can we feature you you know we'll sort of share it around in the group chat and go right he wants to do this and you know we'll give out opportunities to people and Designs, for example, like logo designs, we'll share them around and we all sort of get our opinion on them. So, you know, it's very, um, everyone shares the role in leading it and um, sort of tone of voice and, you know, what we tweet and things. Um, even like little nuggets of news, we'll sort of share around things we see on Twitter, which are really positive. So it's just like a positive place to be, really. And I think it's been, like I said, I've been really needing something like this for a while because I've obviously been feeling um, the need for it, you know, after being subject to to, to online abuse, and um, I just needed sort of a safe place to talk about it and mm-hmm. to have girls I can relate to. I knew I, I obviously know other people suffer with it, but I didn't really have friends who had experienced it. And now, you know, you've got an opportunity. We're all there for each other. You know, when one of us. Is, Know Amy got a lot of stick the other day um, for posting an opinion about a player. Yeah, she didn't think much of um, one of the players, and she got loads of abuse for it. It's just horrible. Um, But I think we've got this campaign behind us now. You know, it's got 1.5 million views. Might have gone up by then. Um, It's just created that awareness. Um, I don't. I think a lot of people didn't know it was needed until it was needed. And a lot of people have said, oh, this is an amazing idea. Like, why didn't anyone else think of this before? Um, and I just think it's really honest. Like, the way the video is done, like, has his idea it was really great because it shows each individual person holding up something that someone said to them. Mm-hmm. It's just quite personal, like, and emotional as well because, you know, we've been, everyone has probably had each of these comments that have been on there. And, you know, female fans that have watched this have said, I've had, you know, every single one of these comments, I recognise it. And that's really sad because it's just been accepted. And I think it's made a lot of people think, oh, maybe that thing someone said to me once wasn't okay. Maybe that was sexism. And it's just highlighting sexism, which has almost become part of society. Um, I saw this like post on Facebook and it was like, how to keep your wife or woman occupied when the football's on. Yeah, and, saw that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, come on, like,
0: I think I first I saw it when uh, when Amy tweeted it. Yeah. But the I, thing that gets me with that um I've do you know what there there was a point in time um certainly I'm looking back to when I was sort of a teenager and this is like 25 years ago. Yeah. Um that where things like that would have been, you know, printed and sold in, you know, city centers and whatnot on a, on things like I I don't know, something, uh, just thinking off the top of my head, a tea towel or a coaster or you know, yeah. one in one of the sort of gimmicky um, gimmicky shops that you that you get, and that would have been monetized. Um, and what's really interesting now is the complete rejection towards that um, yeah. from, from women in particular. Um, and that's, that's really, you know, really a, a positive place to be because you can call that kind of stuff out. And yeah. I saw a tweet um, on the back of that, a back of, uh, I think it would have been, uh, whether it was Amy or one of the other girls, um, highlighting it, saying that, um, you know, why is this even a thing, you know, this, we're not stuck in the bloody past. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that kind of thing, I think, you know, highlight, calling out that and... You yeah, know that's that's just one facet of the of the sexism that's received. Um, but the fact that you twelve girls have put your head over the parapet and have exposed yourself to um, to taking those bullets mm. uh, actually, while it might be difficult for you in the short term personally, um, the fact that you've put yourself in that position where you're able to take those bullets is is um, is a positive thing because it will highlight the um, the extent of the issue.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and I suppose I don't know whether that's whether that's an unintended consequence or an entirely intended consequence, um, and whether or not you're you're actually you know you are willing to take that. But that is what is you know effectively going to happen or has happened. Um, yeah, and, you know, all power to you twelve for doing that. To be honest with you, um, because that can't have been an easy move.
1: No, it was. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't easy, but it was um, empowering because it was like you kind of feel like this is something I've experienced, but you know, we're we're getting rid of it now. Like we're we're done with it, um, and I haven't really had that feeling, you know, before. Um, it's it, it was just yeah, like I said. Just empowering to have that power to just say, no, actually, I won't get back to the kitchen. I'm going to go back in my living room and watch the football.
0: So, tell me, obviously, you, you know, um, from a very negative, you have, you know, you've turned it into a, into a huge positive. And where, we, we've obviously touched on the, um, the Euros, um, the potential for a Euros video, um, but where does, uh, in your opinion, her game to go from go from here uh, from the um, the almost instant success that it's received, um, it's got to be driven somewhere. Uh, so, where whereabouts do you think and do you see it going?
1: Um, honestly, like I don't know if I'm being too optimistic, but I almost see it like being quite big, as in like footballers endorsing it and like teams almost sponsoring it, like as a campaign. And I really want that to happen, you know, and like football fan- football players to get behind it um uh merch would be cool getting like people donning like her game two stuff um yes case, like, I, I, creating...
0: I just, on the, just on the story just to cut in there um there is uh merchandise isn't there um sort of hoodies and t-shirts and whatnot
1: yes yeah, so you have got um some hoodies and t-shirts and things um you've got some cool exciting things as well on the pipeline which i don't know if i can say so i probably won't but um no, it's, it's really good. And like, we're creating this community now and I just want to see it grow. And um, yeah, like I was saying, you know, I want to see kind of people in the shirts and the merch and stuff and almost get that conversation going around the football grounds. And yeah, hopefully then it might, you know, you might get it be able to get it. You know, football clubs mentioning it. I know my team, Bristol City, they released a statement saying to support it. I think Rotherham did. Quite a lot mm-hmm. of other teams have done. Um. So I think that's really helped get the ball rolling, I just think. Um... And I saw
0: that was quite instantaneous as well, wasn't it? Because I saw Exeter City um, tweeted on the same day. Global yes. Town as well. Um, yeah. I could we just mention Exeter the City. They are very, very quick on the bandwagon for, for that kind of thing. And they do um, actively support that kind of thing. Um, they're a very, very good club for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly that there, there have been at least, uh, well, I don't know how many clubs, uh, at least a dozen clubs that have, that have backed it. You know, what I would like to really see is uh, just, uh, just one of those small but gentle but but subtly placed uh, kind of prints on, um, on every club's shirt. Like we've had yeah. Mind uh, this season and I think, the, the, I think the, the EFL should continue with that kind of thing. But also um, with uh, Her Game 2 um, and with Kick It Out and all the yep. other worthy uh, uh, campaigns that are ongoing, it would be nice to see that actually, um, uh, not emblazoned necessarily, but certainly subtly but visibly placed on every single club's EFL shirt. Um, yeah. And I, I think that would be that would be a pretty cool idea.
1: Yeah, that's 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 what I envision as well. Like almost, you know, you have those like banners going around the ground, the the pitch and stuff. I almost see her game too, like going around that and like mm-hmm. you said, the like embellishments on the shirts. Even, like, women's football teams, you know, almost like us, well, her game too, like, be on the shirts, like, as a sponsor. Um, that'll be really awesome. Um, and, yeah, I really hope it sort of grows to the level that Kick It Out does. I mean, I don't see why it can't. You know, maybe, yeah, it's kind of the same thing, really. It's it's obviously racism and things, but sexism probably falls under that category as well. Um, oh,
0: absolutely. It's just it's discrimination. Yeah. Um, so... Uh there's no reason why they shouldn't all be uh all be sort of encompassed under the same umbrella. Um yeah, I don't see I don't see why it shouldn't.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm really hopeful. Like I can't believe when almost when it was first released, it was so overwhelming because the amount of support we had and how quickly it blew up. Um and it was yeah, it was amazing to watch, you know. Um and just the amount of people that wanted to bring awareness, like I've said said before, the people that they have offered you know to design things for us and stuff um it's just amazing and the generosity mm-hmm. has been fantastic um and like i said i'm, I'm glad you've lot-
0: mentioned that actually because i know i've, I've focused on a lot of the, the uh so far that a lot of the negatives that you may have received mm-hmm. on the back of the campaign and putting your head above the parapet and all of that all of that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. the message that i uh, that i uh that i'm um receiving is that actually the the, the support that you've received far 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 outweighs the negative but focusing on the negative because it is obviously something that needs to be stamped out
1: by yeah by far and um what i what i've loved is the messages we received you know people saying my daughter you know seven years old and she loves to play football and it's like people are obviously thinking i don't want that to be my daughter you know i don't want that to be my child growing up thinking she doesn't belong in the game she loves and that's just been lovely to watch like parents saying you know this is you know this has made my daughter smile or even you know grown-up female fans saying wow this is really this has really helped me and things and Mm -hmm. you know we're inspiring the next generation and we're also creating awareness um you know even men have said you know i can't believe think these things have been said to you you know um so it's obviously you know the minority of people who've been sexist but obviously you know they're they're sometimes the loudest so i think it's Mm -hmm. just nice to um have that support and just create that awareness that people didn't people just didn't realize it happened i don't think or they were blind to it they didn't realize certain things were sexist and their opinions are now being changed um so i think yeah we're now looking forward instead of looking back um yeah and we've now got something to aim towards um which is just yeah, just make people more responsible with their actions when what they say to mm-hmm. people and creating um, just knowing that, you know, women do belong in the game and their opinions are just as valid and um, yeah, for me, I would love to sort of like get it involved into education as well and, you know, make, you know, sports almost genderless really, even football, you know, why can't boys play netball as well or whatever, like, I just mm-hmm. want to be for all everything to be for
0: all no i i I get exactly where you're coming from um and it's 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 an extremely worthy cause um just um just to wrap up this little section uh what are the just remind us what the uh where we can sort of pick up the information on uh, the twitter account instagram uh website etc
1: so you can find us on twitter um instagram facebook so at her game two And we also have a website, which Amy has designed for us. Very lovely. Um, It is hergame2.co.uk. So you can find all of the details about us as co-founders and, you know, what the campaign's about. you have got the video on there. Um, But it's all on our Twitter as well. So it'd be great if we can have all the support we can. Um, But, yeah, like I said, it's been amazing seeing it all blow up. And I'm excited yeah, and
0: to see where it goes. Quite, um, likewise, and I'll be, I'll be certainly following it with uh, with, with interest. So this is uh, my beginning, like my favourite part of the show. So the significant six, and we're talking Bristol City, of course. Uh, since you um, first started supporting them, cool. Um, so, so question one: your favourite game that you've attended?
1: It's got to be the. Um the League Cup quarterfinal against Man Man United when we won 2-1 two, two at home. Honestly, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. It was like the best thing ever. I just felt so on top of the world and it was just like everyone was hugging each other like you were hugging strangers. Like when Corey Smith's goal went in, it, it happened like slow motion. In extra time, I was sat there thinking, right, one all. it's going to go to extra time. I'm going to have to sit in now for another 30 minutes. Kind of want to go to bed. (laughs) And then Corey Smith runs down the wing. Oh, it was a thing of beauty. Happened in slow motion. And oh my God, the joy. It was like amazing. And I was just so overwhelmed with emotion. Like I said, everyone was hugging each other. And I'll never forget that. And like, yeah, that's one thing. If I have kids, I'll tell them about because that was, that was insane. And just seeing Jose Mourinho just sit there like, was head in his hands and Lee Johnson spinning around the ball boy. Um, that was, that was amazing um, to watch it I,
0: I remember it well. Oh, clearly it was a, uh, a huge upset in the, uh, in the league Cup. <laughs> um, but, um was it, was it Joe Bryan who scored the opener as well?
1: Yeah. And, um,
0: yeah, with a honking left foot effort. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But, that, yeah, know, I say that, um, I, I can't lie; I was extremely jealous when that winner went in. I've seen, I've seen Red play United a number of occasions. We've always tended to run them close, um, but we've never beaten them. Um, and you know, to, to watch a team go um, go toe to toe, and it was a strong United team as well. Clearly, you know, Latani Ibrahimovic scored the equaliser, for example. I know. Um, they had, uh, um, so they had. I wouldn't say it was a full strength but it was a very very strong side Yeah. Um, and City matched them and, and actually deserved to win the game to be honest with you 89th minute in front of what I what I know as the wedlock end um, and just pandemonium absolute pandemonium and you could mm-hmm. tell it was just limbs all over the bloody place it but was then
1: limbs.
0: you went to you went to and, and to you know City to the was it Man City in the semi's wasn't it
1: Yeah, it was. That was insane as well. That was really (laughs) overwhelming because Man United at home. It was like that was huge, but it was at home, like it was familiar, and it was having a big club at home. It was like wow, okay. But like when you go to watch your club play at a massive stadium like Man City, because obviously we haven't been in the Premier League, been in the first division, but not the Premier League. So we have, we don't, we're not used to it as City fans, and to go to Man United. Man United, Man City, on a cold, like, Tuesday evening at the Etihad and it was just like wow and we went right in the skies but like the pride I felt when the team walked out, it was just insane and then Bobby Reid's penalty, just mm-hmm. before half time I think it was, even though it was, yeah, the limbs <laughs> I tell you, the limbs, like I've never it was insane I think people <laughs> fell down fell down a few flights of stairs <laughs> absolutely that was that was the night and I think I fell asleep all the way home on the coach which was fine because I had to drive home after that but I think my partner didn't sleep at all (laughs) I think I woke up every two (laughs) hours and I was just like where are we and he was like oh we're just diverting via the motorway because there was some sort of accident I was like cool apparently just fell straight back asleep (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I woke up at 3am got back to Bristol buzzing off my tears <laughs> that phrase. I should. That just came <laughs> on. <off>. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How am I feeling? I will. I'm but... time for this energy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was insane. That was a good. That was a good season. But shame the end. I think that cup run did knacker us a bit because. We, yeah, we got so yes. far, but
0: then the <laughs> end of the season was very underwhelming. Yeah, it was... Because um, if I remember, 17 18, wasn't it? Um yeah. Was was much more where you should have been. But, you know, if you'd had a slightly larger squad, I think you probably would have made the playoffs at a bare minimum.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember that season, like, I feel like we just sort of missed out on wins that we should have won and lost one nils that we should have not lost, you know? It was just one mm-hmm. of those seasons, but um Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we move on from Man United. Um and my jealousy of you beating them. Uh your favourite away ground?
1: It's gotta be Craven Cottage because I it's it's the whole package, like you've got pubs all around, easy to get to on the train. I love the ground. It just—it looks really nice. It's just a great away day, and we always win there. So I go there with <laughs>
0: confidence. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I, other than the win, I tend to agree. Uh, I, again, as a Reading fan, clearly it's on the same railway line. So, yeah, um, you know, in, into Paddington and then just the District Line down. Um, it's a partly bridge it's, uh, and you've got you know, so you've got some really good pubs around I, I completely get where you're coming from with uh with fulham and it's a nice um, scenic
1: walk as well across the park to the ground it is
0: club. it it's is perfect. right next to the river um yeah. and and it's inoffensive as well fulham they're just a, an, an inoffensive club that uh yeah. you're never going to get any aggro there um it's a it's a, I, I agree. It's a really, really good away day. It's my favourite um, London away day, actually.
1: Yeah, I agree. Up. It's just nice as well. Like you said, the fans, you know, what you get in. They're not going to sing much. They're just going to sit there, watch the match. They won't cause any trouble. They're all quite nice. You can go there, sing your heart out, have a few pints.
0: And that's a good thing with the, it's uh, the Putney end that your away fans are in, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yes, because it's the Hammersmith end, or the Hammy end. This is the, the home end. um Yeah, yeah. It, you get you, you know you you get a good view. It's a good and you get a, a good number of tickets as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, I like. I, I do like Craven.
1: Like I said before, you know what you're getting. It's, yeah, you know, even if you lose, time. even if you lose, it's what two hours on the train home. You mm-hmm. can get over it.
0: So talk to me about your favourite season then. I think I I think I know where we're going with this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the one I mentioned earlier. 2014-15 promotion, promotion, just because, yeah, the the amazing togetherness in the squad. Steve Cottrell, I love Steve Cottrell. Um, I think, yeah, it was just an amazing time to be a City fan, to be honest. Don't, I think we only lost, like, twice.
0: You didn't lose many that season
1: no um so yeah i don't remember ever feeling like we played like rubbish which seems like every week last season mm-hmm. <laughs> so i just remember it's like a really positive time um and it was just um the players we had were just classics You I mean aaron Wilbraham as well was there what mm-hmm. a legend now we're, uh, yeah because lot... yeah,
0: like you mentioned earlier uh there's a number of players who are now playing sort of uh, Premier League or top-end Championship football
2: yeah.
0: um, with clubs that are uh, that have you know essentially been in the Premier League for a number of years, um, and that's testament to your academy. Um, you've got a very good academy down that way, uh, mm. which is which is really good to see. you know and, and and you know I'll always be one to to to, to uh, uh, big up a a, a, a respectable academy. Yeah. Because you know, you can't just rely on a, on, on a few clubs uh, producing the talent. You've got to rely on talent from all over the country uh, to, yeah, really. to to have to have a healthy game. Um, mm. And so, you know, keep to um us to Bristol City and 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 all of the other clubs in that that uh, that, that do that. Um, okay, your favorite ever away day.
1: Hmm. I think it's got to be, the one I mentioned earlier, it's got to be Man City away at, I think it's the first leg of the semi-final. It um, was, yep. yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember I just started my job that I'm doing now. And I just started and I was like, right, I need Tuesday off. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn up to <laughs> work the next day, just beaming. And, you know, just the fact we drew Man at Man, um, Man City I was just like wow but it, it was just the experience the overall experience was amazing um, was
0: second, the, second, the second leg you only narrowly lost to them as well didn't you you gave them a proper oh, go
1: so, yeah Marlon Pack scored as well what a legend mm-hmm. <laughs> well he plays for Cardiff now so maybe not so much but <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that no um...
0: let's not mention Aidan Flute as well
1: yeah. <laughs> they, they do have, that team has soft spots in my heart. They can do anything and I'll still, you know, I'll still always like Right, so. Rightly so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Your favourite current City player?
1: I had to really think hard about this because our team last season wasn't great, I'm going to admit. But
0: Hey, even Kaz came up with a favourite Rovers player and they just got relegated to League 2.
1: I know. So I did actually pick a player, to your surprise. So I picked (laughs) um, Anton Semenya just because I really see a bright future for him. I feel like um, every game he does give 100%. um, And I think he's got something special. And I'm kind of excited to see where his future goes. Um, I don't really have any sort of feelings for any other players at the moment, to be honest, because I don't know. Like I said earlier, I feel that they're kind of playing for themselves at the moment and I'm on a bit of more of a team. I think so I suppose many... it's
0: it's difficult as well with, with new manager. You know you're gonna be getting new players in. Um yeah. he's he's let a lot go. Uh the season that like you say you've just had was uh underwhelming to say yeah. the least um and so yeah i could see where i could see why you find you find that that particular question difficult but so uh this guy's a youngster what position does he play uh
1: striker so he's a striker yeah but um i just i think he's quite promising and i see kind of see a future in him so i think that's why i'm kind of excited by him so and a lot of i think he's getting a lot of attention from you know other clubs and stuff in the transfer window which mm-hmm. obviously says good things. So um yeah, I like him. I think he's gonna do well for us.
0: So tell me about your favourite all time City player.
1: For me, the one I like watched growing up, I loved Lewis Carey because
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's just like a proper city legend. He's done like, I don't know, six I think it was like six hundred and thirty something appearances for us. Over six hundred appearances. Um yeah, and I just used to love I loved watching him play. Um he's still sort of around the club now. Um yeah, like I said, he was just one of the players I used to watch a lot growing up and have fond memories of. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think everyone has that one player that they always remember, and he's he will be mine. He's definitely mine. He was a
0: first top player as well, wasn't
1: he? Yeah.
0: Didn't he? Yeah. He played uh, anywhere across the back and um, uh, and in the midfield as well, didn't he?
1: Yeah, <laughs> he can do anything. <laughs> he was—I guess I was quite young, like when he used to play. But I do remember, like his last game for us, and like we'd had like um, he had like a shirt with like the amount of appearances he's played for us, and like they did like he like walked down the tunnel, and the players were like clapping him and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just remember, like, yeah, him doing that. That was great. Yeah, uh, I
0: can certainly remember him playing. Um, I mean, I saw already play. I've seen Reddy play Bristol City on numerous occasions. But um, given just how long he played uh, for City, he, he played in the first game that Manchester uh, that, that Bristol City played at the Madetsky in in August
2: '99.
0: Oh, really? Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you talk to any City fan actually it's quite an infamous game because um, on that note I think uh, that's a really really good place to end it um, Le- uh, Leah uh, thank you so much for your couple of hours, um, it's been enjoyable um, so um, just quickly to remind people, Terrace Memoirs uh, social media um, uh, Twitter you can follow me at Terrace Memoirs funnily enough there is a Facebook group of the same name if you feel the inclination to email me for any reason whatsoever um, then uh if you want to be on the show or if you want to offer some constructive criticism or just generally bestow me with praise I will happily accept any um email me Terrace Memoirs at gmail.com and watch this space for uh, season twenty one, twenty two Away Day, TikTok and Instagram. Um, I have plans. Um, but, uh, yeah, nothing solid at the moment. Um, embryonic plans, people call them. But otherwise, yes, Leah, thank you so, so much for your couple of hours. I hope you've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I've loved it. Thank you for having me on. Um, no it's been great fun. having a chat about football. Missed it.
0: It's good to just do shit for two hours. Isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Moan about Mark Ashton.
0: And oh yes, and this one thing that I do I do um want to mention. You mentioned fiance, which obviously there is a pinned tweet on your personal uh, um Twitter account. Um there is a wedding on the way. So I wish you the best of luck with that. When when's the date? If it's been oh, set yet. Thank
1: yeah. you. It's um next June, so June twenty two. I'm actually Trying on dresses tomorrow. Oh,
0: really? Yes. Uh-huh. We're not going to see those on Twitter, though, are we? No. Because then the, the to might see them when that's bad enough.
1: Yeah, it, you'll see it um, next June. <laughs> when I post the picture June, a picture of it. next
0: June. No worries. Um, yeah, I will... All that planning and all that jazz. Um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, um, this is the end of Terror's Memoirs, the first of the Her Game 2 series. Um, Leah, you are privileged, and you are now a friend of the show.
1: At least I'm top of something. I
0: I can't (laughs) say that I I like Bristol City yet, but you are a friend of the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, uh, and this is Terrace Memoirs over and out.